I think this is um, really, really exciting, this whole In His Image um, program. So I'm really, well, actually, I can't make all of them, but I wish I could. Uh, I'm particularly excited about week four, God's plan for singleness. We've heard and got excited about people getting married, which is great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not down on marriage. I am married. I like it. Um, (laughs) But singleness is great too. And we've not done the best job as the church as a whole at remembering that and making people feel like that. Um, So, you know, for when we as the church haven't done the best job, of making those of you who are single feel equally as valued and as much a part of God's plan and purpose, um, then I want to say I'm sorry um, because you are absolutely equally part of what God is doing. God has a great plan. Singleness is not just waiting for marriage. Some single people will later get married, but not all single people will. Some single people will willingly embrace not getting married and and love not getting married and think, yeah, fantastic, I just love being single. Some single people want to be married, but either way, we've just got to do a better job of really honoring that. When we when we people get married, we say, I, I often stand at the front and I say, marriage is a way of life that should be honored by all. And it's true, but singleness is a way of life that should be honored by all as well. So um, yeah, I think it's really exciting. So you don't want to miss that one, but you don't want to miss any of them. So great series, really exciting. Anyway, that's not what I'm here about um, this evening. Um, if you have a Bible um, or an app, there's an app for that, um, turn to Genesis chapter 1, if you would. Genesis chapter 1. Yet yeah, Jesus did scroll. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 to 28. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Some translations of the Bible um, say that we are to fill the earth and have dominion over it. Which is quite an amazing kind of thing to be made for, isn't it? The, The Bible would tell us that we were made to have dominion kind of sounds impressive. It's not, it's not bad, is it, really, for a, for a purpose in life? Um, I was made to rule and to reign. I was made to walk in dominion, to exercise dominion. Um, it's actually your destiny. You were made for that purpose, and it's your destiny. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 10, it says, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests, to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. They will reign on the earth. You were made for that purpose. You were born for that purpose. And it's your destiny to be in charge. 
to be not on the bottom of the pile, but to be at the top. Or as one Bible verse but said, to be the head and not the tail. You were made to rule and to reign. We don't always feel that way, do we? I don't always feel like that when we wake up in the morning. But maybe it's a good thing to remind ourselves. Maybe it's a good thing to remind ourselves when we wake up a bit bleary-eyed, maybe a bit kind of like, oh my goodness, what's on today? Maybe we feel a bit buffeted around by our circumstances in life. Maybe we feel like we've got a million and one things to do or we're nervous about what lies ahead of us in our day. Maybe it's a good thing to remember, do you know what? I was born to rule and to reign. God made me to reign in life, and it's my destiny. It's the future that I can be absolutely certain of. Sometimes we only think of our destiny in terms of escaping from hell and getting into heaven. But the Bible's just told us that actually our destiny is more than that. Our destiny is to reign in the earth, because that's what God made us for, to bring his loving perfect rule, his dominion to the ends of the earth. So that word dominion, it's kind of like got a bad image, isn't it? It, it, it's, you know, it doesn't always make us think of really positive things. I mean, it doesn't make you sound great if you kind of say to your friends, to your colleagues, to, to your family members, I've come so that I can have dominion. Um, you know, you're going to sound a little bit odd. I don't recommend it. But, but that is what you were made for. That is what you were made for. And actually, it's good news. You see, in Matthew 4.23, it says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. Or in Luke 4.43, it says, But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because this is why I was sent. Now, that word kingdom, it it means exactly the same thing as dominion. It's not talking about kind of like the United Kingdom, like, you know, it's got borders and, well, that's a bit of a controversial subject at the moment, isn't it? But, um, you know, it's got, like, it's a place, it's defined territory. But actually, the Bible word for, for kingdom, it's not primarily talking about a geographical space, It's talking about the actual rule and the actual reign, the the being in charge of God. God having his way. That's what we mean. It means dominion. God being in, in control. God's authority ruling and reigning in our world. And when that happens, there's no sickness. When that happens, there's no injustice. When that happens, there isn't any poverty There aren't people sleeping rough on the streets. When God's kingdom fully comes, when God's will is fully done on earth as it is in heaven, there's no more mourning or crying or or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And so this wonderful news, this gospel that Jesus preached, wasn't just that, hey everyone, God's going to let you off going to hell and you can go to heaven. That is amazing news, don't get me wrong. But actually, it goes beyond that. And it was like, hey everyone, you can know life the way God intended it to be. This perfect rule and reign. You can know that in the earth. And more than that, you can be a part of it. 
You see, one of the best ways that Jesus ever told us the story of the gospel, one of the greatest illustrations, you're probably really familiar with it, it's that story of the lost son who goes off and, you know, he, he says, I don't want to stay with my dad. I don't want to stay with my father. I don't want to be part of his business. Give me the cash. I'm going off. I'm going to make my own way in life. I know better than my father. And it doesn't take a lot to work out what Jesus is trying to show us in this moment. Because it's what all of us did with God. We say, I don't need my relationship with you. Just give me the cash. Or, you know, <laughs> maybe we didn't say, God, give me the cash. But we were like, you know, I, I just want to make my own way in the world. I want to go my own way. I want to be the master of my own destiny. I'll be in charge of my life. And, and we rejected relationship with God. And of course, the wonderful climax of that story is the son, he realizes he's made a mess of his life and he, and he turns around and the father, he's not like heaping guilt and shame on him and saying, well, I told you it was a bad idea. He's like running towards him. He's running towards him and he's throwing his arms around him and he's saying, welcome home. And what's amazing is that father, he doesn't, he doesn't like say, yeah, but, but from now on, you're really going to have to earn your keep around here. And from now on, you know, like you've thrown away, you've squandered all your inheritance. So, so I'll kind of like just about let you off. But now you're in like the servants' quarters. That's what the son thought would happen. But instead, the father puts a robe around him and he puts a ring on his finger and he puts sandals on his feet. And all this to show you're getting back your full inheritance rights. I'm restoring you to everything you were before. I'm actually giving you your inheritance back. So this family business, it's yours again. You're a part of it again. And so all those you know, servants and, and workers that would have been around, that would have been thinking he's for it now, they're like gobsmacked because they're like, he's become part of all of this again. He's restored to his position of authority. That ring upon his finger was a, was a symbol of his authority. You see, this is what Jesus does. This is the gospel of God's dominion. You were born to be a part of it. God created you to be a part of it, to have dominion. But you threw that back in God's face and you went off your own way and you did your own thing and you became an enemy of God outside of his dominion. But God loved you so much and was so determined that you should be restored to what you were born for that Jesus came and he gave his life. And it's what we've been singing about this evening. You see, he didn't just die so that you could scrape out of hell and just about into heaven. But he died so that you could be part of what you were made for. That you could be restored to your destiny. That you could exercise dominion. That you could rule and reign in life. That you could rule in your workplace. That you could rule in your family. That you could rule in your community. Now this is sounding pretty good, right? You could be the head and not the tail. You could be an authority. You could be royal. Wow. Now, remember, in Genesis chapter 1, it said... That God made us in his image. And the very next thing was, let them have dominion. God made us in his image, let them have dominion. You know, when, when couples have children, 
What some people love to do, I mean, loads of people do this. It's just like, the minute someone sees your child, it's like, oh, hasn't he got his father's ears? Or, oh, hasn't, hasn't she got a, a mother's nose? Or, you know, everyone loves to spot which parent do they look like. And it's like you get totally conflicting. Like people say polar opposites of, of each other. It really makes no sense whatsoever. But everyone has a go. They try and spot how the child looks like their parents. But what this passage is telling us is that when you're ruling and reigning, and when you're exercising dominion, that's when you look most like your heavenly father. Because it says, he made us in his image, and then he said, let them have dominion. So when you're having dominion, when you're walking in dominion, when you're ruling and reigning in life, that's when it's like all of heaven goes, doesn't she look like God? Doesn't she look like a heavenly father? Isn't he just a chip off the old block? Look at the way he rules and reigns in the earth. Isn't he just like his dad? It's an amazing thought, isn't it? But when we remember that, when we remember that the very reason that we're supposed to exercise dominion, the very reason that we're supposed to rule and reign in life is because we're made in God's image, then we realize that actually we'd better rule and reign like Jesus ruled and reigned. Because God has revealed himself perfectly In Jesus. Jesus is our 100% pure, perfect model and example of what God is like. And so if we look at the way Jesus exercises dominion, and if we follow in that way, then we can look most like our heavenly Father. So, turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 13. John chapter 13 and verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Wow. Jesus knew that God had put all things under his power. And he knew that he'd come from God and was returning to God. And so Jesus commanded a fleet of very expensive sports cars. And Jesus spoke into being a collection of vacation properties located around the world. And Jesus taught everyone to make sure they used titles when they addressed him so that everyone would know how important he was. And Jesus made sure his disciples knew that when he walked into the room, they should bow before him. So that everyone would know that he was in charge. Because Jesus knew that all power was under him. And so he puffed out his chest when he walked along. And he made sure that doors were opened for him. And he no longer went to the fridge to get his own drinks. For he had attendants to wait upon him. Of course it doesn't say that. John chapter 13 Verse 3 said that he knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he'd come from God and was returning to God. And the next word is very important. It says, so. 
What are the implications of knowing that God has put everything under your power? What are the implications of knowing that you have come from God and that you are returning to God? By the way, in case you thought that was just for Jesus, let's think about that for a moment. You, if you've decided to follow Jesus, the Bible says, have been born again or born from above. The Bible says you're a citizen of heaven. It says you're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Although it says that Jesus has sent you into the world in the same way that the Father sends him into the world. So where have you come from? Yes, you were born naturally, but where have you come from spiritually? You've been born from heaven. You've been sent spiritually from heaven into this world. You've come from God into this world. What's going to happen when you die or when Jesus returns? You're going to go and be with God. You know where you've come from, and you know where you're going. And Jesus has given you authority. So knowing that God has put things under our feet, knowing that we've come from God and knowing that we're going to God, actually, there's a lot for us to learn from this. So Jesus knew this, so, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He got down in the dust and the dirt and the grime. You see, they wouldn't have had carpets. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have had the kind of shoes that we have. They'd have been more like Shara's this evening, barefooted. <laughs> they may have had open-toed sandals, but you see, as they walked around in the dirt and the dust and the grime of a first century Palestinian street, um, there may have been a bit of animal poo going around as well. And Jesus gets down in the mess, in the mess and the dirt and the grime, and he washes 12 young men's feet. Young men aren't renowned for their personal foot hygiene. But he gets down in the mess and he washes their feet. Knowing that everything was under his power. Knowing that he'd come from God. Knowing that he was returning to God. Jesus understood that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. He knew that he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And because he knew that. It doesn't say and he got down. It says, so he got down. Do you hear me? It doesn't say and, it says so. It's when you know who you are. It's when you know the authority that you have. It's when you know the dominion that you were born for. It's when you know that Jesus has not just about let you off, but restored you and given back your full inheritance rights. It's when you understand that the kingdom of God, the dominion of God, the, 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 the perfection of God's rule and reign in the earth is not only something that you hope to see one day, it's your inheritance. It's yours. 
you are an heir of God and a co-heir with Jesus Christ. The end of sickness, that's your inheritance. The end of injustice, that's your inheritance. The end of poverty, the end of people living on the streets, the end of unrighteousness, the end of people being abused and and downtrodden, the end of an unfair society, the end of all that is evil and wicked in our world, the end of all brokenness, that is yours. That's your inheritance. And Jesus has restored that to you. And you are part of this again. And he's given you spiritual authority to make that a reality. And when you know that, when you know that and you don't any longer feel that you have to prove that, then it gives you so much freedom to get down in the dirt and to lay down your life and to serve. You see, we hear that we have dominion. We hear that we have power and we hear that we have authority. And sometimes it becomes a pressure to us and we think that we have to live up to it. And so we try and walk bigger and taller and and look important. Or we hear that we're the head and we're not the tail. And we think that means I've got to get one over on everyone around me. So many Christians, so many times, kind of like totally warping this teaching out of all its proper context. And it's like, well, I'm the head and I'm not the tail. Therefore, you you should be in the rubbish lowly positions. And I'm a Christian, so I should be important. It's when we know how important we are because of who we are in him, because of who we've been born again to be by the Spirit of God, that we no longer have to have a title. We don't need to prove ourselves to anyone. We're not trying to to earn status in people's eyes. We're not trying to flaunt our wealth. We don't feel any more special because we've got more money than the person next to us. We realize that our value and our worth comes from who we are in Him. And we know that we've got all this amazing authority. And therefore we're totally free. It doesn't matter if people think you're rubbish. It doesn't matter if people think you're the lowest of the low. It doesn't matter if people don't think you have any value or any worth. Because you know that you do. Because you know who you are. You know that you're a child of God, an heir of the kingdom. Jesus ruled and reigned by healing the sick, by casting out demons, by setting captives free, by standing up for the the marginalized and the oppressed, by standing up for justice and, and truth. And do you know what? Every day you have opportunities to rule and to reign, to exercise your dominion. Every day in your family or in, your, in the, the house that you share or, or in your place of study or in your place of work, in your street, and just when you're in the supermarket, every day you have opportunities to rule and to reign, to walk in dominion. To not walk through life just buffeted to and fro by every circumstance that comes your way. But to remember, I have authority. I can pray with authority. When I speak into the heavenlies, there is authority in what I say because of who God has made me to be. When I lay my hands on the sick in my workplace... Or on my street, when my neighbor tells me when they're going on about that bad back, 
And my heart's like beating violently inside of my chest because I'm like, I know I should pray for them. I know I should pray for them. Well, do it. Be bold. Be courageous. You have authority. You were born to rule and to reign. We know the authority that we have. You see, Jesus spoke about the church on two occasions. Matthew 16 and Matthew 18. This often surprises people. He talked all the time about the kingdom of God, about God's dominion. But only twice did he speak about the church. And we'd have thought, wouldn't we, that that the Bible would be full of great stuff about how to arrange the chairs. And and about, you know, what kind of multimedia system we ought to have in the church. Because that's what we spend our time obsessing about, right? Like what songs we should sing or whether we should go with the kind of hill songs, you know, vibe. Or should we be more Bethel or, you know, should we be more like Planet Shakers or... You know, these are the things that really matter to us, but they don't seem to have been important to Jesus at all. What mattered to Jesus when he spoke about the church, Matthew 16, Matthew 18, two really different contexts, but both times he ends up saying the same thing. He says, I tell you that what you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will have been loosed in heaven. You see, the things that you do on earth will basically be copying what's true in heaven. You'll be bringing what is true in heaven, God's dominion, into the earth. So when Jesus thinks about the church, that's what he thinks about. When he thinks about us, he thinks about us walking in dominion. When Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him, the joyous vision that was set before him was you walking in your dominion that you were created for. Was you using the spiritual authority that you were born for. Could we pray together? Father, I pray that right now, by your spirit, you would give us just a fresh revelation and understanding of the authority that we have as your children. Oh God, that you would, yes, take these words, but go beyond them. Give us a conviction in our heart that we were made to walk in dominion, that we were made to have authority, that, we, that you've given us authority to bless people in this world, that we have the authority through our prayers, through our speech, through the things that we say to release blessing from heaven into people's lives. That we have the authority to bind up that which is of the enemy in this world. That we have the authority to loose blessings from heaven. That we have authority to heal. That we have authority to set people free from demonic oppression. That we have authority to bring freedom to those who who are captive in maybe emotional or mental health issues. Lord God, that you've given us authority. Help us to believe the truth about who you've made us to be and what you've given your life, Lord Jesus, to restore us to. And Lord, give us the courage, we pray, to take that authority and knowing who we are, to be willing to get down in the dirt and the dust, in the brokenness of our world. 
to be willing to get our hands dirty and to serve, to lay our lives down for the sake of lost people in this world, that they would be able to see a witness and a testimony that your good, loving rule and reign is breaking into our world, that they can be a part of it too. Lord God, we offer you our lives again. We say thank you for the awesome privilege of the authority that you've given us. Lord, we say we don't want to take it for granted. But we want to use that authority with humility to make a difference in our world. In Jesus' name, amen. I just want to. I just wanted to um, to practice a little bit what I've talked about. Um, I know um, any kind of response in the moment is always it's always a bit of a kind of dilemma because the last thing I'd want is for you to think that the response is here and now in the meeting. The response is all throughout this week and next week and and living our lives. But but I believe God just loves to demonstrate the truth of His Word, and so. Is there anybody here who, who is willing just to, to put up a hand? If you're sick, if you would like to be prayed for. If anybody here, thank you. <laughs> Willingly, voluntarily. <laughs> Don't put anybody else's hand up, okay? Um, yeah, maybe you could just stand where you are, you guys that would like to receive prayer. If there's anyone else, now's the time because, um, because it will get a bit confusing in a moment. So stand up now if you'd like to receive prayer um, for any kind of sickness. Yeah. Now, what I'd love you to do, you stay standing. What I'd love you to do, stay standing if, if you need prayer for sickness. And what I'd love you to do is put your hand up if you believe what I preach from the Bible about you having authority. Amen. Okay. Don't, you don't have to put your hand up. I won't, I won't be upset. Um, but if you believe that you have authority... Well, what I'd like to invite you to do is if you believe that you have authority um, according to what was proclaimed from the word of God this evening, then I'm going to invite you just to go and lay hands on those people who are sick. Um, and I'm going to ask you to do something. Don't, don't pray pleading prayers as if you don't have authority and that you're relying on, on God who is some distant and far off, but you're just weak and feeble, miserable you. Um, but pray as a child of God for whom Jesus has given his life so that you could be restored to your position of authority. So, so just, you, don't, you don't have to like shout to do that, and you don't have to puff out your chest. You just, you just have to know the authority that you have. Okay? So could we do that? Could we minister to these people? Um, some of you may find that you are instantly healed, and if, if you are, then we would love to have testimony of that. I know some of you, it's going to take longer to test it out, but do come back in coming weeks and testify to what God has done. Remember, would realize the authority that they have. The key for the gospel being proclaimed, the good news of God's kingdom being demonstrated, and people knowing the power and the love and the truth of who Jesus is. It's not a few evangelists going out and having more campaigns. It's every one of us realizing who we are, laying hold of that truth, and living it in the midst of our worlds. Amen? Amen. Know who you are 
and use the authority that you have to serve. God bless you.